Do you live in the happiest state in America? And happy anniversary to us. It's our 11th year. This is The Focus Group. It's the savvy side of 9 to 5. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is The Focus Group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, John T. Nash. And we are the Focus Group. I was... Well, this is our 11th anniversary. I can't even talk because Tim did a perfect, perfect reproduction of the very first broadcast we ever did. Over on uh, XM Radio, we had a, a – John refers to her as the Frau, but she, frau. She, she was good about keeping us, uh, keeping us on the die. And uh, our first show was all scripted like NPR, and you could not even you, – you couldn't not misspeak a word if you didn't say the. She was banging on the boom, glass. Boom, boom, thudding on yelling. the glass. Oh, you so, put up pictures of us then right. and now, right? So everything was written out and scripted, and um, so we're going to bear you the the boring uh, the boring uh, audio. But could you still find it on our website? I, you can't the find very first the, show. I would, I if you like, I could give you the audio to post for Facebook. Maybe that would be funny to do for, just um, for, for Facebook. Let me jot that down. <laughs> So if you're watching on the video, thank you. We're here live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. East. And don't forget to uh, check out our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned, which is released every Tuesday morning. And if you're watching on the video, you saw some pictures that uh, were done from over the years. And I laughed about the first one, John. There's a black and white in the upper left corner there. And that was done with our first PR, first PR release of Introducing Tim and John. Well, that that was the... Uh, that, that one. That one there. And I laughed. God only knows where... I, that must be an old corporate picture from Super. That was you me. and you had that officially taken and Must I had, have been. and that picture of me was taken for a for Moon City? No, I was a guest speaker at the art directors or it was either the uh, gay professionals network in New York or the art directors club or something but they if you spoke they had a professional photographer that actually did your Do you think we look 11 years younger maybe? Not as many wrinkles my hair's grayer. I have had people who've seen the picture of me from 11 years ago and they're like wow you haven't aged at all. I I know I've aged uh, you know uh, and then there's the caricatures, of course, and then our some which of are our aged less, age less. <laughs> and then our first sponsors, our first partners, when we launched, we were lucky enough to have Subaru and Orbitz join us. And uh, Orbitz stayed with us for a number of years, uh, on and off. And of course, we'd replace Subaru with another auto brand, Volkswagen, for a while. So uh, I, I I kept seeing the date of March 27th, and I I kept thinking, and I thought, oh my God, you were you were like over over lunch. Tim's like, you know, I kept thinking something's going on today, and then finally you figured it out. Had we still been at SiriusXM, it probably would have been a big big to do. I'm sure they would have had balloons and everything in the lobby. How many shows have they had for 11 years? Not Martha, <laughs> not Rosie, no, not Al Q. No, they're all gone. And uh, I just remember the the time our old producer Katie figured out our anniversary and she asked me for the audio from the first four shows and she edited together this <laughs> clip reel painful and we're sitting and but you know before we were on the the magic of YouTube we were sitting in the studio she hits the play button and we just were like oh my god because it sounds like a bad National Geographic observe the mighty hippo yeah. as he bathes or you know the giraffe looks for food you know <laughs> when she wanted exhaustive bios on each person and i think our first guest you had you had your friend trace who had the the liquor he store just here opened Core. up Core, and we had a creative director from logo tv logo nancy, was it bennett, nancy bennett and then yeah. we had um wasn't scott seitz 
Scott Seitz was on from, from SPI Marketing. From SPI Marketing. And, and it was three guests in one hour, and there was no time for chat. We weren't allowed to banter. We weren't allowed to talk. We weren't allowed to acknowledge one another. <laughs> we had the scripts, and I had to – you still were running your agency at the time, and I had to submit these scripts a week in advance for her to approve yeah. Yeah. and get grammatically correct, and then we had to just sit there and read them. True to form – for me, being the procrastinator that I am when it comes to homework, I you would send me your script when you sent it to her, to the right. Frau. I would glance at it, and I just thought to myself, I'll, I'll blow through it when we're sitting. Oh, boy. Boy, you did not play that game. You had to do your homework. I, I should have read them better because I'd show up cold. <laughs> She'd start yelling at me. And then that, that when, the, when the SHIT hit the fan was when we had Augustin Burroughs on, and, uh, or Augustin Burroughs, however you want to say it. And he... She was upset that we had booked him, and she had also booked him for her show. Poached him. You poached him. What are you going to talk to him about? He's our guest. <laughs> and I didn't realize there was such this, oh, my God. It's like Johnny Carson. You can't go on my show first, otherwise you're not coming on. And we had said to her, well, he had a whole career in advertising before he Which wrote she books. she knew nothing about. Right? And that's why we're having him on. Anyway. I, I remember one of my – I think it was the second show we did uh, – after our extensive day of training, which, by the way, we're thankful for. Yes. We, we're Everybody always prepared. We're, we're always ready, and thanks to her. But she said to me, how, how did you think the day went? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I said, I'm kind of a more carrot guy than this. I'm more carrot than stick. And she looks at me for a minute, and I said, and we've been getting a lot of stick and no carrot. <laughs> so, well, and you didn't say it quite that nice. <laughs> No, I didn't, did I? I was really... You don't hide your anger well. <laughs> Bob will tell you. And I could tell you. And, and what is this, therapy on our 11th no, year you, anniversary? You, you can be, you know, you don't hide it well. I don't, I don't. I admit to that. You don't hide it well when you're sick. Oh, and you would ooh. think it was, you know, you're going to have heart surgery. Thanks for reminding me. I remember the last time I had the flu was actually a couple of years ago. And we were over at the old network. And I was sitting at my computer and I was fuming about something because I was sick. I had a fever. You call up to check in. I go off on something. There's silence. I mean, you 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 just don't say anything. And you're like, I'm going to call back later. Yeah. I'm like, why? I'm on the phone now. <laughs> and the next day, my fever had broken. I was better. And you're like, oh, boy, I don't like that version of you. Well, no. it was. It, it, I remember the day we did a – we went to do an off-site broadcast at the Liberace Museum before it closed the next week. And uh, – and you were sick. And I opened the show and I tossed it over to you and you were like this. I'm like, John, we're on the air. And it was live. And seriously, I'm like, you got to talk. We've got two hours we have to fill here. And you were just, I'm sick. I like the way my voice sounds. Well, I, I was like, John, we've got to do two hours of this show. I don't care if you're sick. Play, play happy. Play like you're feeling good. Yeah, a lot of our Vegas trips were plagued by illness, come to think of That's it. That's a shithole town. <laughs> but that one in particular, I came back to New York and I was diagnosed with a serious sinus infection. Had to have reams of antibiotics. And while I was out there, I had almost had laryngitis. It's Then I got sick the following time, uh -huh. and then you got sick at the back end yep. of that. Yep. Vegas is, you know, probably shouldn't have said what I said, but Vegas, if I, Vegas is tough. I remember Vegas used to be classier. Yeah. I thought the strip was classier. I thought, you know, but now it's like, look, Tim said to me on the phone the other day, Tim goes, you know what Vegas is nowadays? Is people going down the, on the, what, the, the main strip. Main drag. Drag. Carrying a Coolers. cooler filled with beer behind them to get a $49 room. From, from Rite Aid. And it's, they, they've Kardashian Vegas. Yeah. 
it, it's it's full of full of people just out to be seen, and they're like, I'm going to do this. I I, I think it's more like you know, I'm, if I had cufflinks on, that would be like a Dean Martin kind of like when they were None you know that. the Rat Pack. That's all gone. That's all gone. Yeah. No. Gone. Anyway, so we've got uh we've got a couple of shop talks today, and then we're going to uh, and we have uh, Mac Weldon is uh, joining us as well, along with Deep Discount, of course, which. Uh, We'll talk about what do you got in your hands? What I have another show? Uh, no, this is for our show. Uh, I wanted to uh, say thank you to uh, John Mudson, who is one of our listeners. He sent a note to letters at focusgroupradio.com about wanting to send me his first book and oh, us. Wow, cool. And I am go- I'm interested in reading it. And it's called The First Day of School. Um, it's well produced. I love the signature on the right page. <laughs> hard copy. Hard hardback. Have a have a look. Oh, very nice. And where did I put? He's a U.S. Navy vet who grew up in northeastern Ohio. Well, I wonder if he knows Marietta. Must. Hmm. So, well, I, I, did you start reading it? You just got it. I just got it in the mail yesterday, um, and he said, I, I hope you enjoy this story of the first day of school as a gay man who has been out and part of the LGBTQ community for many years. I decided that I needed to write a love story based on two young boys and how they had to navigate society, family, friends, their own acceptance, and it goes on. And, uh, and he thanks us for our weekly show. He watches on YouTube now, but he used to be part of our— uh, So not only was in the Navy and from Ohio, but he also spent time in the auto business. That, yeah, I, I was fascinated. By I wonder that. if he's. I don't think he's called us. Call us, John. Sometimes. <laughs> Congratulations on your book. So it's called "The First Day of School." I think it's available at Amazon. I didn't double check that, but uh, it's got an Isbin number, so it probably is. Isbin is the little, you know, you know. Isbin I just from... forget Walden Books. <laughs> you know, I didn't shave, John. No, I noticed. I noticed you came which, in here, which is rare for me because even when I was just on the radio, I would oh, shave. Oh wait, I have a gift for you too. Uh oh. Oh, for the anniversary? In honor of the first anniversary, yes. A gift? Yes. It's a commemorative edition Captain Crunch Pez dispenser. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know they made such a thing. Where'd you see this? Okay. I found this last year. This is funny. In November. It was announced that they were coming out with, I think there is Captain Crunch. Who was the Booberry? Like, there was a couple, oh, yeah. of, a couple of characters. But... The captain was you. We both had Captain Crunch cereal as kids, yeah. right? So hold it up to the. Uh, John's got your. Sorry. There it is. If you're watching on the video. So they announced the captain, and I immediately ordered him for Christmas, but he only arrived two or three days ago. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I didn't realize this fine print said this item will be released released in March of 2019. <laughs> well, that's funny. So there you go. You know, Pez is in Orange, Connecticut. How did we not get jobs there when we were kids? So there you go. Happy anniversary, Thank little you. Captain uh, Captain Crunch. So what caught your eye this week, Mr. Nash? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. In a nutshell, a liberal arts education caught my eye, um, and I'll explain. Goldman Sachs has a new CEO. His name is David Solomon. He's been on the uh, on board for about six months. And he had an interview recently at Hamilton College, and he talked about a skill that is absent in most people that they hire these days. And he sees it all over the company. And he said, it's harder and harder to find people who have the ability to write. (laughs) Because they want to do everything in characters or text. And he says, I'll tell you one uh, one skill they're finding less and less inside the firm that I think is an important skill set, but actually we find it from students that come from Hamilton where he was speaking, or other liberal arts backgrounds is an ability to write. Um, 
Solomon is a big advocate for liberal arts education, especially when it comes to critical thinking and problem solving, though he recognized that's not the path for everyone. So he believes that a liberal arts education is essential to be a good problem solver and a good communicator. And he further doubles down and says how you communicate with other people, how you interact with other people, and how you express yourself will have a huge impact on your success. I think Tim and I would agree with this. And when I try to point to these, to things that have helped me, my ability to communicate, which was rooted in a lot of experience that I got here on the Hill, because I guess he attended Hamilton, um, these are critical and important. And he said the last thing he wants people to understand is that corporations seem fixated on IQ and, and what your grade point average is. Right. And he said they should stop fixating on that and start fixating on something called EQ, you know, your emotional quotient. And that's basically how you interact with people, how you relate to people, and uh, how that all... And he said, given our current work environment of artificial intelligence and machines taking over and how we hide behind our screens, being able to effect, effectively create a bond with another person is something that they say is going to be one of the key success skills in the next coming... He actually said about three decades. So think about that for a second, Ryan. Well, that and I also think... I know my, my liberal arts education out in... Uh at Marietta, and I, I know yours in Binghamton. The other thing we had to do, it was mandatory for everybody, and I don't know if it still is at other schools. I know it is at Marietta still, but we had to take a number of speech classes. So every kid, regardless of major, so whether you were an engineer. You say speech. Are you like so speech giving or right, debate? Oh, really? Standing up in front? Mm -hmm. Okay. First thing, speech 101. And there was a professor, Mabry O'Donnell, used to be Miss Alabama, and she still looks, still looks darn good. But uh, so she would do these critiques and speeches and you had to get up and just speak about either just pick a topic out of the hat. And her whole deal was if you could if you could form structure of what a good speech is, then you should be able to get this would be a great skill to have for your life. And it's funny, I've gone back and watched a lot of these alumni award things. And whenever people talk about their experience, similar to what this guy did, they said that I still think back to my speech 101 or some of my early speech classes I was forced to take because it really made me shine against other engineers or other kids from other yep. schools because I could get up and form a thought and then deliver it. Succinctly. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, not everybody's a great orator, of course, not everybody's a great writer, but exactly what he said, I, I totally agree with. If you could put down a cogent thought or you could write, write smartly or at least get communicate. Um, now he did conclude with one other thing you and I have took taken note of on our show. I don't know, every other show, maybe or <laughs> like we, we kind of talk about this. Someone said, um, asked him a question about another skill set that's really hard. And he said, people aren't interested in staying in one place for a long time anymore. And he said, I might say that finding folks who are looking for longer term employment versus being transient, especially in the banking business, is something they look for. And he said, there's a real benefit to being patient, a little more committed to things. And he said, his grandmother used to always say, don't be in a hurry. <laughs> and he applies that to your career as well. So if you're in your 20s and you're you're moving through, you know, you might one clear way of getting more money salary-wise is to jump from job to job. But at some point you're going to have to put down roots or you're going to have to stay somewhere and be a part of a team or do something. Or it catches up to you that you really haven't accomplished anything. You and I know a number of people that have <laughs> I, the minute you said that I was I, I have a well, list in you, my head. And of, you and I are toward the toward the end of the boomer generation, I guess. They always call us Generation Jones because our parents of, were also yeah. considered boomers. But there are so many people I know that worked for me that were a generation or two younger that um 
you're right, they were very impatient. Like, how come I'm not a director yet? Well, because you've worked for two years. And I still, my, one of my favorite stories you have is from Pam. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who's doing an interview with somebody. She's interviewing somebody who just graduated from a, a well-known university in the, in the Philadelphia area. And um, it was an entry-level job. The person had never worked before. Had zero work <laughs> experience. Key, not even as a waiter or, key. right. <laughs> and um, so she had, it was for an event sponsorship job. And she offered him a salary. And, which is good. Uh, which was decent, I think, for somebody out of school with no experience in the 40s. He said, nope, uh, I can't take the job. I'm, I, I should be making 75000 she said, you should. That's what my school told me. I should get out. I'll make 75000 She said, if you find a job for 75000 let me know because I'll go there and do it. <laughs> I'll collect the coin. Said, because you haven't worked anywhere a, a day in your life. Good luck. I wouldn't hire the person either then. At that point, even if the person came back to me, I'd be like, you know what? If you really think you're worth 75000 with zero experience, you know, unless you're a tech person. Or an engineer or a software developer, right? And you've I done guess. it. I, I you write code or something, and those people are hard to find. You and I have been. Uh, me and Tim own a um, a, uh, a company called Triberry Productions, which produces the focus group. We also do a lot of branding and marketing campaigns for select clients who reach out to us. Sometimes we reach out to them, uh, but we've just gone through a series of exercises with proposals and stuff, and. Here's here's two of us who've been doing this for 25 combined, maybe 50 years, right? right? We're afraid to ask for a dime. And here's a, a kid coming out of college asking for 75,000. No experience. <laughs> so we're like, and we were working with some people who didn't even flinch at some of the numbers. And we're like, well, you know, so I always question that kind of, I think it's better to think more, um, uh, cautiously about value as opposed to this robust, like, I must be worth this much because of this piece of paper. Well, good for them. My, now, yeah, that was very highbrow. Oh, this one? Yeah. Uh, about uh, writing as a skill? Yeah, because mine's very lowbrow. But that's what caught your eye. That's, that's the beauty of the segment. You don't have to be, right. you know. And, and this is probably no secret to anybody. So the, the headline is Tumblr traffic tumbles <laughs> following a ban of adult content. I do love the pictures you Google. So the video, the video and image sharing site Tumblr has seen an enormous drop in traffic following the new policy, which they enacted in December 2018. They're now um, now limiting uh, adult content. So they prohibit photos and videos that show real life human genitals or female presenting nipples. I, I love that real life. Real presenting. So if you showed fake genitals, you get away with I it? Yes. So traffic. <laughs> I don't even know what a fake genital is. It's like, okay. So traffic fell from 521 monthly unique page views in December to 437 million in January and down to 370 million views in February. So they've lost almost half their traffic. And uh, people wow. were very upset about this, particularly the LGBT community, which felt that they were dis dis disproportionately affected by... Uh, by this new policy. And artist Courtney Trouble criticized the move, saying the Tumblr ban on adult content affects queer and trans users by taking away a vital social component to a community that's bound together by their sexual orientation and desire. And uh, so she, she was uh, trying to promote this log-off protest. I do know, you and I used to visit paulandmass.tumblr.com quite a bit. Paulandmass.tumblr.com. Paul and Mass is called before. He's doing great. He was our, that was the way I would literally start the day. 
I'd go to that Tumblr. <laughs> but I had a bunch of Tumblr pages that I would visit I no longer. I, have gone. you been on Tumblr? There, if you click on the old link, uh, some kind of page yeah, comes up that says better. no longer active or something. It's very disappointing. But I've noticed this with you and I have been dinged just for using words and headlines. Um, you, yes. and I, you and I had a headline that had mentioned cannabis and we got dinged. It wouldn't, wouldn't uh, load to uh, YouTube. So I know that Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, I'm not sure about Twitter. I think things sneak through on Twitter. But there's a lot of censorship that seems to be going on, particularly regarding adult content. I'm wondering where people are going for it unless they just go directly to adult sites. I don't know. Because you can't well, show you can't show was, anything on Tumblr. Yeah, you can't that, show anything on Instagram anymore either. Everything's covered up. That was kind of the beauty of Tumblr, right? It was free, right? And if you had like paulandmass.tumblr.com, what a curatorial eye! I mean, he just did the work for you, and here's here's the seven or eight. Yeah. You're like, thank you. <laughs> That's what you needed to know. Yeah, exactly. Your business birthday this week. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. I must say, I'm a sucker for a, a great Courier and, Ives, Courier and Ives winter scene. Of course you are. You, kids you, 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 kids skating, a sleigh ride to grandma's. You, know. you, you love that traditional, you know. So I was, I was happy to come across this birthday, born today, March 27th, but it was 1813. Um, but it was 1830. He died November 20th, 1888 at 75. American lithographer or lithographer. Lithographer is correct. I was going to say lithographer just to drive you nuts. <laughs> he headed the company Courier and Ives with James Ives. He was uh, born in Roxbury, Mass. He attended public school until 15. And then he apprenticed uh, at a Boston printing firm called William and John Pen Pendleton. And their claim to fame where they were the first successful uh, lithographers in the United States. You you want to you, you're baiting me. Lithographer. There you go. Lithographer. <laughs> Is it lithographers or lithographers? I don't know. Boys in the booth. If anybody knows, it's going to be Garrett. Lithographer. <laughs> just think. no. He's doing that just to stick a fork in my eye. You know that. Garrett and John. Gonna, John would chime in and say lithographer. Yeah, lithographer. And Steve, if he could figure out a way to be in the middle of this. Might figure out a different pronunciation. No, I'm with Garrett. <laughs> lithographer, right. Lithographer. Sticking a fork in my eye. All right, all right. It's our public school education, lithographer. So in 1835, he started his own lithographic. Lithographic. Now, now you are really off the rails. All right. He started his own business. And uh, he was a sole proprietor. And he initially engaged in um, business printing of sheet music, letterheads, handbills, and stuff. And then he, in 1835, it took a new direction quite by accident. He was also a volunteer firefighter. And he, there was a huge fire in New York. You probably know it's famous picture, 1835, Ruins of the Merchants Exchange, New York. There was a destructive fire December 16th and 17th in 1835. And he had published an illustrated picture of the fire in the, uh, for the news for the New York Sun. And this was really one of the first or early examples of illustrated news where people could actually see something. A picture next to the article. A picture, because yeah. there was no photography. So he moved his business toward that and then started becoming known for his documentation of news events. And people thought it was fantastic because they'd come three or four days after the event. It was really quick. Three or four, four days, days after the event. someone did, okay, just have He would sell thousands of, those, thousands of those prints. So in 1850, his, um, he had a business partner come in, James Ives, who came in as the bookkeeper. He was also a good marketer, they said, and he contributed in growing the business into what is, was known as Courier and Ives. And um, 
He also was a friend of P.T. Barnum's, which I thought was funny. But uh, he died in uh, Massachusetts and buried in Brooklyn at the uh, Greenwood Cemetery. Hmm. I wonder why in Brooklyn. I don't know. He was because he's from Massachusetts, but I think he probably spent time here. Uh, well, the company was moved. The company was was out of here in Manhattan, out of New York for a while. So maybe that's why. But happy birthday, Nathaniel Courier. We have never, unless I am completely mistaken, we have never done Courier Knives, right? Yeah. What a great birthday. I've been trying to, it takes, it takes longer, longer than I'd like, <laughs> trying to find birthdays that don't repeat after our 11th year. <laughs> Pretty much done every birthday on the planet, right? That, that's, that's a business birthday. So, hey, we want to thank our friends at Deep Discount for uh, sponsoring us here on the Focus Group. You know the rules. You know what to do. You go to focusgroupradio.com. You click on the Deep Discount logo there. Arr, you the get shark. the shark. And there's a site-wide sale going on right now, and uh, which pretty much means everything's on sale. And uh, But we'd like you to go through our site because we get credit for it. So, Mr. Nash, what did you find this week? Okay, site-wide sale. Um, the DVD has been available for a while. I think the Blu-ray is this week. Um, and it's a movie that really surprised me. I highly recommend it. It stars Melissa McCarthy. She was, in fact, nominated for the Best Actress of 2019 for this role. And Richard Grant, who is opposite her, who I like him, British actor, he was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Quiet little movie called Can You Ever Forgive Me? And it's based on a book by Lee Israel, best-selling celebrity biographer and a cat lover, <laughs> who made her living in the 70s and 80s by uh, profiling the likes of Kate Hepper and Tallulah Bankhead, Estee Lauder, um, and Dorothy Kilgallen. But there was a period when she wasn't making money, and she used to actually then forge and sell famous letters of authors to collectors. Um, so she would do like makeup letters from, she would buy all these antique typewriters to make it look real. It's, it's, and she would do like Dorothy Parker, and then she would sell this, and she got they got they caught up with her. But and it, and she turned this whole thing into a book called Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is what they made the movie. Highly recommended, surprisingly fun movie, and Melissa McCarthy turns in a really understated role. It was well done. Very unlike her, because yeah. you expect her to be the buffoon, right? Play the yep. buffoon again, and uh, it was a great movie. I also know this gets the imprint of, of acceptance from Lauren out at Deep Discount. Oh, really? She yeah. likes it too? Stamped of approval, yeah. So it's one, it's a, one of a few. All three of us agree. Yeah. So it was a great movie. Mine is um, quite different. I went through and I did my usual go to the back and whatever, and I came across this title. I hate horror movies because I get scared. You know, but I like The Shining and stuff. You like psychological terror, like The Shining. Right, or, but, yeah. but this one, I remembered seeing it once before, and I think I actually might have heard about it on the Frank DeCaro show. Uh, okay. So it's called Trilogy Trilogy of Terror, and it stars this actress, Karen Black, who is really the high camp. You had to have heard of it. Yeah, high camp yeah. of horror. So I don't know if Garrett or John could even pull it up, but there's a movie called Amelia. So there's three movies on here where she stars in all three, and, and all the reviews say if you're going to get it, just get it for the last movie on the trilogy, which is called Amelia. And it's just her, and her mother has bought this Zuni African fetish doll. And the doll ends up attacking African her. African fetish right. doll. It's, it's a Zuni, Zuni African fetish doll. And the pictures of it, I, I mean, it is not, it's supposed to be a horror, but <laughs> I never laugh so hard in my life. It's unintentionally funny. Wait, so you la you saw it. Yeah, and it's, it's 1970, 1974. As I said, it was one of these after school movies or something they'd show. But this doll 
is unbelievable. And the soundtrack alone will make you scream. Because like, the soundtrack is that? Yeah, with the, the doll coming after her. And he's got something between a butter knife and a steak knife he's trying to kill her with. And it's almost like the old Mr. Bills in SNL. She tries everything to kill this doll, chasing her around the apartment. And it's biting at her and it's yelling and screaming. And she's like, oh, why is this happening to me? That thing? Yeah. <laughs> John and Garrett and Steve, thank you for finding. That's the Zuni. This doll is running around after her and trying to bite her. And it's a, and as I said, so I went and I looked at a couple of the reviews. And one of the reviews says, unbelievably funny. They said, this is Miss Karen Black. At the, she's a new high at her campy best. They said, this is about a woman controlled by her mother who buys a Zuni fetish doll. The doll comes to life and starts attacking Karen. Uh, while it should make you scream, you can't stop laughing. Invite all your friends to order this trilogy of terror just for this last movie. Invite your friends over for a good laugh. <laughs> just, yeah, oh, like that I clip. <laughs> it's so sure. Oh, this is a clip. <laughs> goes on for a half hour. Do you know, everybody in the booth laughing, it had the desired effect, right? I think I might have seen this. Oh, she, she I mean, I, and I'm not taking anything away, but she tries everything to kill it. I mean, she's thrown it in the tub. She's thrown it in a suitcase. I mean, she does everything and the dog keeps getting out. And it's like, you know, it's, just, it's got this knife. It's so Perfectly poorly done. It, it is hysterical. Yeah, and so get the it terror of trilogy. Like, it sounds discount. like a precursor to the the Chucky movies. Yes, Chucky the doll. The great part about it is you have all this fun for for uh, there comes in either Blu-ray, which you can get for under twenty bucks, or the DVD special edition, which you can get for under fourteen dollars. So, I mean, how could you not? You're not going to find this on. You TV. might as well go for the clarity of Blu-ray for the yeah. cinematic experience of the doll with the knife, right? Yep. So that's my trilogy of terror. And this week's release. What was the release this week? On the Basis of Sex, uh, the movie was starring Felicity Jones about law professor and now Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I have heard nothing but good things about the movie. It also stars Justin Theroux, Army Hammer, and Sam Waterston. Um, I did not see it yet, though. Have you seen it? I have. Oh. <laughs> no, it's good. You liked it. Yes, I think it's good. And you know, I'm just... More please, Ruth, stay alive. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I had this horrible thought about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I thought if something did happen to her, I wonder if they could play the same game they played with, with Obama about appointing a Supreme Court justice. Let's wait until the election. Let's let the people decide. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Anyway, so anyway, RBG, hang in there, baby. Hang in there. So uh, recapping our deep discount segment, uh, it's the site-wide shark madness sale. Visit focusgroupradio.com. As Tim said, you know the rules. Click on the shark logo. Arr, Sharky the shark. Although it sounds like a pirate. I recommended the movie Can You Ever Forgive Me, starring uh, Melissa McCarthy, who was nominated for her role in this movie to be Best Actress of 2019. Tim recommends Trilogy of Terror, particularly the last movie in that segment, Amelia, with the doll that goes crazy trying to kill Karen Black. The Zuni doll. See, even the name, the Zuni doll. And the new release this week is On the Basis of Sex. Felicity Jones plays Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice. Fine film indeed. What do we say, Garrett? Thanks, Deep Discount. Very good. We are going to take a super quick break. And when we return, we have some shop talks for you. So stay with us.
You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with The Focus Group. Try, really try. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. I never try anything. I just do it. Welcome back to The Focus Group. Tim Banner here, as always, with my good friend and co-host John Nash. It's our 11th anniversary and no cake. Got to slow it down, Tim. It's our and 11th now, And now, and no cake. we have a shop talk for you. Exactly. We think you will learn a great... That's what they told us. Yeah. That was the speaking speed. For those of you who've not watched the show before, Shop Talk is our take on something that we have found in the news that we have found of interest related to business. Now, now it sounds like the sweaty balls. Sweaty um, balls thing. <laughs> segment so we do have, SNL. <laughs> we do have two quick Shop Talks that are somewhat related. Um, I laughed about one of them because uh, we used to always laugh at the show Morning Joe because Morning Joe used to steal our bits. And music. And music all the time. We would play music on Saturday and Monday morning. It would be the same soundtrack. And then we did find there was a producer that watched it was it, one of our, our show. And we yeah. thought maybe he was using our music. But just give us credit, Meekin, Joe. And for listeners, your birthday is the same day as Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough and the same age. So I laughed because they've done these two stories. They, they did, did them. them a few days ago. Oh, okay. So I laughed because now we have them. But, uh, but we did not take them from them. <laughs> the teaching finger came up. We did not take them from them. So the okay. first one is just pretty simple, but it's it says uh, D.C. has the highest LGBTQ population in the U.S. Washington, D.C. has the highest uh, LGBTQ population percentage in the United States, according to a new study from Williams Institute at the UCLA School of Law. They analyzed the population data of 50 states plus the District of Columbia. And they produced this Gal, uh, Gallup daily tracking study, and they were able to figure out that about 9.8% of D.C.'s entire population identified as L- LGBTQ. I, I get crazed with all the, the acronym. My guess is most of them said they were probably gay or lesbian. Correct, yeah. But, but you know, we're, we're going to yeah. throw in the alphabet soup because that's what we do now. So... Um, and then it said 91, right? I mean, come yeah. on. We're queer. <laughs> 91% yeah. of the LGBTQ plus people in D.C. are not raising kids. Okay, I get that. Get that, yeah. 6% are unemployed or uninsured. I could get that. Mm-hmm. But what about the other two things? I felt that those two things were kind of odd for D.C. 19% are food insecure and 18% have an income of less than 24000 Uh The food insecurity... The comic part of me thinks one thing about that. The 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 uh, educated part knows that that means they're they don't know if they're gonna have a meal in the next day or two. Food insecurity to me is like, should I have had that cookie? Right. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn, I had diet. that. Or, yeah. Here's the thing about this. Um, a lot of comments to this article when you read below the line all said the same thing. This is a a, a skewed number because the District of Columbia geographically is is actually... The size of Central Park. Yeah, it is not a... So you look at California, New York, you know, states we know have high LGBTQ plus populations. The reason they skew off, though, is because LGBT, like gay and lesbian citizens might make up a portion of that state, but given the state's sheer size, right. 
it, the, the, the number changes. So from a, stats, a statistician point of view, this is a little bit of funny math to me. Well, I, I was more concerned about the fact that it said 18% had an income less than 24000 Anyone who knows DC is outrageously expensive, expensive to live. Yeah. And I always thought, when I initially saw the headline, I expected it to be made up mostly of the transients that are in government. Right. Each time an administration yep. changes or people come in, there's a new crop of people. And there's certainly has always been a a large number of LGBTQ people working in government. So I expected that was it. But when I saw almost 20 yep. percent had an income less than twenty four thousand, I, I put next to it. How? But how about this last piece of the study? Other high ranking LGBTQ percentage populations in the study include Oregon. Right. Which came in second and Nevada, which rounded out the top three. Right. North Dakota came in last place with only 3% of its population. Now, I get the North Dakota thing, but Oregon and Nevada don't – That those are two data, data points I'm also kind of scratching my head over. I get Nevada because of Vegas and Reno. Well, yeah, although you struggle to find yourself a gay bar in Vegas anymore, right? Oh, yeah. I'm well, <laughs> is everybody those, feeling? <laughs> I think with all those showgirls, there'd be someone out tapping their feet. Well, there were a couple when we were last out mm. there that, that I think have since closed, actually. But again, you would, you would say to I think most people would think some of the big population states. I mean, I'm surprised Florida didn't even pop up on here. What happened at South Beach? Well, I Lauderdale? think because they're so populated. And then it changes so, the numbers. So, yeah. so if you're a state like Oregon that's not that populated and you have a huge LGBT population in your only big city, which is Portland, then you'll probably come out high. That's and probably sweet. the same with Vegas, right? It's going to be Las Vegas and Reno and then that's it. what else? So, yeah, I thought it was um, – I thought my takeaway on this one was I guess we're not surprised about – a gay population in D.C. No. I'm surprised about some of the stats, but as you said, food it, insecurity, income lower than twenty four thousand in a city we know is ex super expensive to live in now. And anyone who's done stats know figures lie and liars, liars figure. figure. <laughs> hey, we want to uh, let you know that we we believe here on the focus group that to get what you pay for. So uh, we have a, a partner here with us, Mac Weldon, which uh, I believe and John believes are probably the finest basics that you could have in your wardrobe. I have had the socks and the underwear, and I've always said before that because of the, the fit, the quality, the consistency, the comfort, whenever it's washed, it's my first thing I pick to put on. So if if it's done and it's there on the top with all my other, other uh, underwear and my socks, it's the first things I put on. And uh, so we're happy to welcome them uh, back to the focus group uh, and partnering with us here because, uh, as we say, you do get what you pay for. And I know you had been poking around the yeah. site. And you, so, what did you find? Okay. So um, I, for, for a basics point of view, Tim has experimented with Mac Walden socks and boxers. 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 And T-shirts. I'm, I'm a brief, brief and T-shirt. And the pullover, which yours was stolen. <laughs> I still have mine. My mother. I still have not tracked down who took my it. My mom claims it's like my blue blanket because I like wearing it all the time, especially when it's colder out. But I went to, I, I wanted to navigate the Mac Walden site from a shopping experience. Uh, so I went to the site and I found a pair of pants that I think I want to buy because they fit this category of what I call athleisure. Would that be a, it's, yeah. it's not sweatpants and they're a little more formal than that. So John, I think these are called the radius, right? So they're waterproof, they're windproof, they travel well. Uh, you could 
dress them up with a belt. They look like a pair of slacks. I think they narrow a bit at the ankle, which is kind of common today on a lot of pants, especially if you're like a bike commuter. They have some pictures of guys riding bikes and stuff. But I think the price was like $98. They, they weren't that much. But for something that you could literally throw in your suitcase and wear a lot of different places, right? Well, it'd be great for travel if you had to jump on the plane and go to from New York to Chicago for the day, get through security easy. Um, and then if you had to go to a lunch meeting or something, they're appropriate for that and get back on the plane, you come home. So I'm going to probably buy the navy blue version of these because uh, I have a lot of gray slacks and I'll have a lot of black slacks. And then, of course, blue jeans, but I think the navy blue would look khaki-ish in a way, you know, so you could you could probably wear navy blue with a lot, like a gray t-shirt, red t-shirt, white t-shirt. So Are anyway, you going to wear underwear or not? <laughs> I'll wear underwear, sure. I'm not sure I'll be wearing my Mack Walden briefs the day I wear the pants, but uh, yeah, so that's that was my experimental shopping the site. And I just want to say that the uh, Mack Walden site is super easy to navigate, and I encourage you to visit MacWalden.com. And if, in fact, you do go there and it's one of your first orders, by all means, use the code that Mack Walden gave us to give to you. It's promo code do it at checkout. It's called, the code is FOCUS, and you're going to get 20% off your first order. So I would say experiment. You know, if this is one of your first Mack Weldon experiences, shop the site, check it out, check out things like the, like I did with these, these cool kind of comfortable pants. Uh, you could do socks, briefs, the whole bit, and then get 20% off at checkout with the code FOCUS. Right, and they're so confident that if it is your first order and you get something you don't like it, uh, they'll refund you and uh, probably let you keep the item. They do let you keep yeah. it. Yeah. So it's, uh, but uh, we can't say enough things about the the fit and the quality, and uh, the consistency of the brand. So, so uh, MacWeldon.com and thank you. Use Focus at checkout F O C U S to save twenty percent off your first order. All right, the next shop talk we have relates to states again, right? And as Tim kicked off the earlier one, it was D.C. has the highest LGBTQ population in the U.S. And I do think you're right about Mika and Joe doing this one. Happiest and saddest states in the U.S. is this topic. Would it surprise anybody what the number one state for happiness is? I was surprised. Were you really? Yeah. I wasn't. Why weren't you surprised? It's beautiful. <laughs> you're living in, you're living in, you're living in, uh, Tim always said it's a long way to go way for to, a beach. Long way to go for a beach. It's Hawaii. Hawaii is, according to this study, the is the big kahuna. It's the happiest state in the union. Uh, based well, because on they're Gallup not attached Gallup. to the other 48. <laughs> they only get the other 48 flying in all the time, yeah, and flying out. Uh, but they did this, they did a 0 to 100 ranking, and they used the following criteria. Career, liking what you do each day and being motivated to achieve your goals. Social, having supportive relationships and love in your life. Financial, managing your economic life to reduce stress and increase security. Community, liking where you live, feeling safe, and having pride in your community. And then lastly, the physical, having good health and enough energy to get things done daily. Hawaii ranked number one in three of the fives, the three of the studies' top five scoring factors. In fact, it ranked in career, social, and financial well-being. Interestingly, residents of Hawaii, while happier, aren't the businesses aren't which I thought was kind of funny. Apparently doing business over there is difficult. It's like New York. <laughs> Horrible for business. It's true. The second, third, and fourth states were Wyoming, Alaska, and Montana in terms of well-being. No surprise that the, uh, un the, the saddest states, uh, number 50 was West Virginia celebrating its 10th year. 
on the bottom of the list. As the unhappy estate at the bottom of the list. And then that was followed by Arkansas at 49, Kentucky at 48, Mississippi at 47, and Tennessee at 46. And they said that uh, these well-being um, census are usually, uh, they usually exhibit regional patterns. The happiest are usually the Northern Plains and Mountain West, and the lowest are usually the South, which can extend upward to the Midwest. I was not surprised about the unhappy. I mean, you know, Mississippi, Arkansas. I'm just surprised Alabama wasn't in there. They're all usually 47, 48, 49, 50. Yeah, they're usually the on Education on everything. So I uh, I was not surprised by by those. Hawaii, I was, I was a little surprised at because I've always heard that people who live there you get the itch to want to get off there. So you You're need to island. get away. You are on an island. There's, it's also yeah. extremely expensive. Yep. Um, very, very expensive. Well, everything is imported. Live. Fuel. Yeah. Most every every staple is has to be brought into that island somehow, right? So I was. So that's why I was a little bit surprised by that because when you use those criteria, um, I thought, well, okay. And I do think it's muggy. Uh, no, you don't because you, well, don't, you no, like no, the hey, heat. Hey, no, no, no. Look, we were the, when we were the in tropics. when we were in Maui. You knew it, it was humid, uh, and if that breeze stopped blowing after a while, you you felt it. I mean, the key with Hawaii, though, is there's usually these beautiful breezes that are going. So you, the minute it settles down, there you're like, wow, it's. <laughs> I was out there for business and had to wear business clothes, and everything stuck to me. <laughs> Tim so does not so like miserably humid. Tim does not like humidity. And I remember yelling at the person who did the trip. I said, "Why don't you tell me that it was going to be." 85 and muggy the whole time we were here in the middle of winter. <laughs> Just put a smile back on your face with the cap and It's a long way to go to the beach. I would rather fly to the Caribbean if I was on the East Coast. Now, if you live in Oregon or you live in California or, or Washington, it's a four, four and a half hour flight. But from here, it's quicker for us to fly to Europe than just about anywhere Actually, you used to quantify that Caribbean comment with um, St. Bart's. Well, we like St. Parts. Yeah, I don't want to go anywhere where they want to braid my hair for a quarter. <laughs> I don't want to be wandering the beach. <laughs> I do. I'd love to pay someone a quarter to braid my hair. That would be when a you, feat. When you be... and I went to St. Croix, what a dump that was. Remember you had that brochure and you said to the woman, "What? well, where's this? And she's, that's what we call bait and switch. <laughs> I do remember, remember the oil that. slick coming up I on the I do remember that thing. Oh, yeah, that was not was, a... Ugh. We couldn't get off that island soon enough. Like, where's that. this? Yeah. Now, St. John was another. That was gorgeous. Yeah. We went snorkeling there. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, all right. So you're going to post, if I send you the audio for our very yes. first show. Yes, we're so going to post it to the Facebook. Happy anniversary to us. Thank you for remembering that. Enjoy your Cap'n Crunch Pez dispenser. We want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you, John, Garrett, and Steve. You guys are the best. Thank you, Tim. And a big thanks to uh, Deep Discount. Shark-wide, shark madness sale, site-wide sale. Uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me was the movie I recommended. recommended. The Trilogy of Terror. Pay close attention to film number three, Amelia with the Zuni killer doll, right? Killer African (laughs) fetish doll. And On the Basis of Sex is the release this week. We always ask you to not text and drive and arrive alive. So that's always good advice. I just said it. I don't have to say it again. So we're going to see you next week. And thanks for tuning in. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.